This edition of the Mike Wagner Show is brought to you by Picture This Photo Books, where remembering is the key ingredient. How beautiful your mother looked at her wedding, and even more so at yours. And who doesn't miss grandma's meatballs? The holidays are coming. What better time to give a gift of remembrance that makes you laugh and cry all at the same time? Whatever gift of grandma's recipes, or just because, those smiles and tears will melt your heart. Call Karen Shaw at 646-798-0809 or visit picturethisphotobooks.com. Mention the Mike Wagner Show and get 10% off off your first order. Picture this photo books, bringing your memories back to life. They're whimsical, casual, or formal, and always uniquely you. The Mike Wagner Show is powered by Sonic Web Studios. If you're looking to start or upgrade your online presence, visit www.sonicwebstudios.com for all of your online needs. Call 1-800-303-3960 or visit us online at www.sonicwebstudios.com to get started today. Mention the Mike Wagner Show and get 20% off your project. Sonic Web Studios, take your image to the next level. Hey everybody, it's Mike from the Mike Wagner Show. It's time to give a shout out to our official sponsor of the Mike Wagner Show, international award-winning author, Mian Mosin Zia. If you love fast-paced mysteries, then you'll love Missing by Mian Mosin Zia. Available on Amazon in paperback and ebook. Missing is fast-paced and intriguing with an unforgettable twist. It takes place in four countries with two strangers and one target where truth is an illusion and those you love will be the first to go missing. It's available Available in paperback and ebook on Amazon. Missing by Mia Mosin Zia has garnered great reviews and is even loved by Hollywood celebrities, including Joanna Cassidy, Forbes Riley, and many others. So grab your copy today. Order Missing by Mia Mosin Zia. Now available at Amazon. It's now time for the Mike Wagner Show, powered by Sonic Web Studios. Visit online at sonicwebstudios.com for all your needs. The Mike Wagner Show can be heard on Spreaker, Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube, iTunes, Anchor FM, Radio Public, and the MikeWagnerShow.com. Mike brings you great guests and interesting people from all across the globe. So sit back, relax, and enjoy another great episode of the Mike Wagner Show. Hey everybody, it's Mike from the Mike Wagner Show. Powered by Sonic Web Studios. Visit online at sonicwebstudios.com for all your needs. Look at a professional website without breaking your budget. Sonic Web Studios is the answer. Sonic Web Studios offers fast, affordable custom web designs that blow the competition away. Call today, 1-800-303-3960. That's 1-800-303-3960. Or email to support at sonicwebstudios.com. Mention the Mike Wagner Show. Get 20% off your first project. Sonic Web Studios. Take your image to the next level. Also, time to give official shout out to our official sponsor of the Mike Wagner Show, international warring author Mia Mosenzia. If you love fast paced mysteries, you'll love Missing by Mia Mosenzia, available on Amazon in paperback and ebook. Missing is fast paced and intriguing with an unforgettable twist. It takes place in four countries, two strangers and one target, where truth is an illusion and those you love be the first to go missing. It's available on Amazon in paperback and ebook. Missing by Mia Mosenzia has garnered great reviews in Eve 11 and endorsed by Howard's celebrities, including Joanna Cassidy, Forge Riley, and many others. So grab your copy today for Goes Missing by Mia Mosenzia, available on Amazon. Also, the Mike Wagner Show is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Picture This Photo Books, where remembering is the key ingredient. How beautiful your mother looked at her wedding, and even more so at yours. And who doesn't miss grandma's meatballs? I mean, I love them. The holidays are coming, and what better time to give a gift of remembrance that makes you laugh and cry at the same time, wherever to get the grandma's recipes, or just because those smiles and tears will melt your heart. Call Karen Shaw at Picture This Photo Books at 646-798-0809. That's 646 
800-242-0809 or visit picturethisphotobooks.com. Mention the Mike Widener Show and get 10% off your first order. Picture This Photobooks. Bring your memories back to life. The whimsical, casual, or formal, and always uniquely you. And also the Mike Widener Show can be heard on the themikewidenershow.com. You can check our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Show. You can download and listen on Facebook, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Also on Anchor FM, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, Audible, and Apple. Coming soon to Podbean, Buzzsprout, Pandora, and TuneIn. And heard worldwide on Geo7, Radio Public, Himalaya, and more. Take the Mike Widener Show with you on any mobile device. Subscribe to the Mike Widener Show on the YouTube channel. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And for great gift ideas, 24-7, 365, for your loved ones and more, go to Amazon.com and check out the Mike Widener Show t-shirt, pop sockets, hoodies, throw pillows, tote bags, and a lot more. Makes great Christmas gifts anytime for your loved ones or for your family and friends. And also check out the Mia Molson ZS store on Amazon for great books and um, t-shirts, hoodies, and more. And check it out today, Mia Molson ZS store at Amazon. Also, don't forget to donate to the Mike Widener Show at themikewidenershow.com. Also on Anchor FM slash support. And make sure you all also send the PayPal as well. Make sure you do so today. We're here with a terrific gentleman today who's an American celebrity stylist, designer, TV personality, and he's also styled historic covers for River Phoenix and Michael Jackson, and also for Halle Berry and Lindsay Lohan, John Travolta, and the list goes on and on. <laughs> King Scroll, the guy's amazing. And he's acted in 17 films, produced two movies, and he, uh, uh, in a regular correspondent for E, CNN, Entertainment Tonight, Access Hollywood, and more. And he's been an active member of the uh, Creative Coalition, and he began a fashion career in the 80s and became fashion stylist in the 90s. And this guy is just amazing to talk to. Live, ladies and gentlemen, from the Plus Studio, somewhere in the United States, the very, very multi-talented American celebrity stylist, designer, TV personality, and more, Philip Block. Philip, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. What's well, great to have you on board as well, too. I mean, you just got an amazing story to tell. You're an American celebrity stylist, designer, TV personality, and you styled historical covers for uh, River Phoenix, Michael Jackson, also for Halle Berry, Lindsay Lohan, John Travolta, and a lot more. You've also been in 17 films. You've produced two movies and a regular correspondent for ECNN, Entertainment Tonight, Access Hollywood, and uh, you've been... Um, a member of the creative coalition and have uh, you also been um, a fashion began a fashion career in the eighties and also stylist of the nineties. And before getting to all that, tell us how I first got started, Philip. Hello there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is so much. I'm like, it's exhausting just hearing it myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right, like, just two words and let you figure it out. <laughs> I mean, it's like, wow, just like, did I do all that? You know? <laughs> it really, it really, you never know where life is going to take you, you know? I mean, it's very interesting where, where, you know, when you start as a kid and you leave high school and you're like, where is life going to take me? Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. Yeah. And of course, you know, just, um, you know, starting off like how you first got started and um, what direction did you first go in? Like, you know, being a stylist, designer, TV personality. So oh. it's like going to the way back machine, just like Sherman back in the days. Um, what, what was it? Um, you know, Peabody and Sherman, you know, back in the 60s. Yes, like, Come yes. on, Sherman, go in the way back machine. Um, it all started really, I think, when I was um, probably in maybe uh, high school, junior year of high school or sophomore year of high school. And um, I was I was a pretty wild kid. Um, I didn't really, I had a hard time focusing in school. I didn't really, um, 
I was popular. I knew a lot of the kids. I was I was selling weed at the time, <laughs> a little ahead of my time. I've always been ahead of my time, entrepreneurial and ahead of my time. It's only taken them, uh, what are we, uh, about 40 years to catch up with me and now you can see me. <laughs> but um, God bless. Um, and and I, I was having a hard time. And then I saw the movie Mahogany with Diana Ross. And I walked out of that movie theater and I was like, yeah, that's it. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to do that. That's what my life is going to be. And I'm, I'm, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> you know, I think, I think that was a really easy way for me to um, find out what I wanted to do and get a little more focused. And my parents were brought into school one day because I was in trouble and they met the art teacher and they just had a whole long conversation about it as well. And, and, you know, <laughs> the famous lines my father used to say, um, he was they're walking through the school and the teacher said, oh, are you Mr. and Mrs. Block? And my father said, why? <laughs> no. And she said, no, I'm your what did my kid do again for no, the one hundred? Why he wouldn't even give in that he wouldn't say yes. He would say why, and the teacher said, "Well, I'm one of his teachers," and he's like, "Uh huh." And he would wait for them to say what what happened, sort of, or if it was good or bad. And then, um, and so long story short, the teacher came with them to the principal's office, and they devised an art program for me. So I had a really helpful teacher at a very early stage of my life that saw potential and um I'm, I'm still very close with a lot of my friends from high school and and we have a mutual friend Eileen you and I and uh and she's friends with my friends from high school it's all kind of reunited re through Long Island wow um which is where I grew up and uh that that sent me on my way and then uh, my my parents made me promise to go to college and I, so I went to um I, uh, I I was enrolled in Studio 54 I mean I was enrolled in FIT and I went to Studio 54, but I was enrolled in Studio F in FIT. Mm -hmm. And then I graduated from Studio 54, pretty much, but not FIT. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, and I was a busboy at FIT. I left, I left FIT and started becoming a busboy at, FIT, at uh, Studio 54. Huh. That's quite interesting. And um, who are some of your uh, favorite artists um, growing up as well, too, since you, um, you, you know, got into the business, some of your favorite artists and also, you know, getting into movies, some of your uh, favorite actors and um, actresses, you know, especially like Diana Ross. I think that's a great I think that's really a great question. Thank you. Um, so simple, but, but very important. And I think as a kid, I grew up seeing images. So my my work has been about imagery and creating like iconic images and so I think I would see movies like Ally McGraw and Love Story and Barbara Streisand and The Way We Were and um, Meryl Streep and Vanessa Redgrave in the film Julia oh, and wow. uh, The Turning Point with Anne Bancroft. And you would see these movies and they all would kind of resonate and you would take from that airport with Jacqueline Bissett and Dean Martin and you would take Stop the Poseidon Adventure with Stella Stevens and Pamela Sue Martin. You would take these fashion moments and they all sort of stuck in my head. And I didn't understand it at the time. As a young boy selling weed in Long Island, I didn't really see where fashion was going to take me. But once I got it all, once I saw that movie, Mahogany, it all kind of pulled together. And it was like, oh, boom, da, 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 da. oh, I'm getting out of here. This isn't forever. And I'm going there. So then the next three years of my, my, my high school until I got into college, I was like, I'm going there. Then suddenly you're there. You're at Studio 54. Talk about, we, we were talking earlier about, you know, success early on and being thrown into the middle of something. 
you know, I went from being a kid going like, oh yeah, movies, TV stars, music, Olivia Newton-John, Margot Hemingway, all these people, you know, like, wow, to being in the middle of it and working with them and dancing with them and partying with them and doing all kinds of wild things with them. So <laughs> that was very, that was, that like threw my path in a different way. And I, I had, um, I had had some, some Me Too issues in, in that period as well, as I think a lot of people did in the 80s. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't an issue then. What was, what was permissible behavior then has become now is just, you know, the end of the world and, and what, horrible. What, were you talking like similar what uh, Bill Cosby did the women or something or like say? Uh, yeah, I, I, had, I, had, I, had, I had been, um, I had been molested. It's, it's been, an, it's been written about, you know, I mean, oh, I, okay. when, when, when the women came out, when the girls came out, Selma Hayek and Ava LaRue and, and Rose McGowan and, um, you know, all the different girls, Annabella Shore, Mira Sovino, Uma Thurman, they all kind of came out in the Me Too situation with Harvey and other, other men. I had had my own in that time when I was uh, the owner of Xenon. Um, there was even somebody accused of falling. He was accused of somebody falling from his terrace and dying or from his window and dying. Oh, wow. um, and there were lots of other guys that I've now met through the years that have been the same experience with him. I, I had been uh, uh, drugged and um, drugged and raped. And, you know, and, and that's like 1978 as a boy in 1978, you really don't even know what that means. You don't know who to go to and you didn't really understand it was happening. Mm -hmm. um, I think when you go to somebody's apartment, my parents always said nothing good happens after 12 o'clock. Um, if you go to somebody's home, be, be, you know, it's on you. You have to be careful. You shouldn't be going to people's homes. If you go to someone, you have to take responsibility for going and making stupid decisions. Mm. And so I went to this person's home thinking he's this rich man with a doorman on Central Park South and he's going to show me his art. And, you know, he showed me his art. <laughs> and, um, you know, that was written about the Daily Mail did a really long article about it. It's it very interesting. Like it's a very specific part of my life. I think it molds your life. And then as when I went on to model, I, I modeled out, I was a model in Europe for about eight years after um, Studio 54. I worked in Tokyo, Milan, Paris, oh, wow. London. Yeah, I did John Galliano's first fashion shows. I was in Gall uh, Gautier, Versace, Saint Laurent. I had an issue with one of the men that worked at Saint Laurent. I used to um, molest and fondle all the guys, the male models at lunchtime. But it was part of the job then. Like it was this weird thing that some people wouldn't speak about you would I would go back to the agent and say it I would go back to the agent and I went to Saint Laurent they sent me on this job and I went I came back and they said you know you're going to Saint Laurent they're, they're using you for a fitting model at lunchtime tomorrow you go between one and two and uh, the man Cyril is is the 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 person there and you go to him and he's going to fit bathing suits and shorts and things on you and you're like okay I'm a model that's why I'm here so when somebody's putting a bathing suit on you and it's this big and they're touching you in that those areas, well, that's kind of what the job is. Mm. Maybe that's the technical thing you got to do. I don't know. You mm. know, I mean, I'm, then you look back on it years later and go, oh, but I caught it in the moment. You know what I mean? I was like, mm. so mm. we did it and he's, he's touching me and, you know, looking and oh, does it feel good? Is it? And I'm like, oh, you know, you're smoking a cigarette. Can I have a cigarette? And he's like, yeah. And then he had a pack of cigarettes. And at one point I was like, um, I said, oh, can I have another cigarette? You know, I'm Malawi. You know, it's hard to get cigarettes here. And it's, my cigarettes are expensive for us or whatever. And then he had a sandwich. I asked, I like kept stalling. 
short, <laughs> I entertained him. I entertained him. And I learned like along the way, being a busboy at studio, I was around a lot of drugs, a lot of wild sex and partying. And you either get involved or in, in all the ways, or you kind of learn your ways around and how to navigate it. And for me, it was always being the party boy. Mm. You know, I learned to kind of be the, the more fun one, the loud one, not necessarily the sexy one. You know, you try and be more fun as opposed to sexy. And uh, <laughs> you, you, you're basically, your basic job is to get the crowd interested, keep it going, keep it lively and everything. And if you just and walk keep around, them like off you're, of you, you're bored, kind of, yeah, they'll walk way, out. Yeah, and in a weird way, bringing the attention to keep the attention off you in a weird way. Mm -hmm. um, if all eyes are there, then then you're almost a little safer, I guess. I, I don't know. I think that was sort of my my MO and that sort of work. So I go back to the agency and the agent says to me, uh, she says, oh, how did you go at Saint Laurent? And I said, oh, you know, it was cool. And she said, did he like you? And I said, yeah, I think he liked me. He gave me a sandwich and look, he gave me a pack of cigarettes. You know, I'm an 18 year old kid, not 20 at that point in, in Europe in, in 1981 or whatever, you know, it's it's a whole different time. There's an innocence that just doesn't exist now. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm living the dream sort of, you know? Um, and, and, and the phone rings and it's them. And so she talks to him and she makes a few jokes. I don't speak. I didn't speak French that well at that point. I watched and she looked at me and she said, put them on the phone. And, you know, he said something about me being different. And she's like, yeah, he's very different. That one. And yeah, he's very funny. That one. And, you know, I, I kind of got the idea of what they were saying. And I think those things form in your head. And she says, she hangs up. She says, oh, so Cyril wants you to come back tomorrow. You did something right. And I said, okay. I said, but you know, Cyril is a little touchy-feely, you know. And she said, oh, you know, it's the job. And I said, well, I think he's a little touchy-feelier than he has to be. You know, I mean, I get it, it's the job. Like, I'm, mm. I'm like real, you know. So I'm like, I get it's the job. And she's right, yeah. Like, I'm like, I get it's the job, but I'm just saying a little extra here. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? That the uh, hands are there too long. Right. A little too close for comfort. And and I remember with some of those women that came up that, um, you know, they yeah. were molested back then. So it's like, you know, I, I, I read stories about like the 50s, 60s, whatever it is, is that it was considered an honor. Like, say, if um you 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 slept with Bill Cosby, you slept with Madonna or you slept with whatever, that was considered a badge of honor. That's how I got into Hollywood. And now it's just like, you know, everything's been reversed. And of course, sometimes you got factor in the I read these stories all the time that, you know, 40 years ago or whatever times were different. And of course the statute of limitations is like, doesn't seven years apply to this? And why did everybody um start coming all of a sudden? What happened to him 40 years ago? I was like, what happened to the statute of limitations? Here's one thing. I, there's two, two points to that. First of all, we live in a time of revisionist history and fake news and all this kind of thing. So revisionist history is a lot of what is going on now. Mm -hmm. Because I personally know that some people's stories don't match timelines. I've heard of people talking about people molesting them that I just know that's not even their type. They're so completely different than what the person usually goes for. It was like, mm, and it was a guy. It was a guy story. And it's like, bro, I don't think so. Uh -huh. I'm just saying you're different than, you know, you're different than everybody else that you're not his type. He likes blonde. He likes this. He likes that. You're not that. I don't know. Whatever. Maybe I'm not saying who knows what anybody's situation was or what anybody's. But I think there's a lot of revisionist history. And um, yeah, I think there's a lot more 
there were a lot more volunteers than there are now. There are more victims, funny enough. Hmm. And it's rather interesting. I think if you get count of who was volunteering and who was victims, the numbers have shifted. Right. And of course, you know, he said, she said, and everything else. But of course, you know, you know, times are different. We'll continue talking about uh, you also styled for um, a couple of uh, figures that passed on. It's uh, an amazing feat. We'll talk about those in just a minute. But first, listen to the Mike Widener Show at the MikeWidenerShow.com, powered by SoundCloud Studios. Visit online at SoundCloudStudios.com for all your needs. Look at a professional website without breaking your budget. SoundCloud Studios is the answer. Sonic Web Studios offers fast, affordable custom web designs that blow the competition away. Call today, 1-800-303-3960. That's 1-800-303-3960. Or email to support at sonicwebstudios.com. Mention the Mike Widener Show. Get 20% off your first project. Sonic Web Studios, take your image to the next level. Also, time to give official shout-out to our official sponsor of the Mike Widener Show, international warring author Mia Molson-Zia. If you love fast-paced mysteries, you love Missing by Mia Molson-Zia, available on Amazon in paperback and ebook. Missing is fast-paced and intriguing with an unforgettable twist. Takes place in four countries, two strangers, one target, where truth is an illusion and those you love be the first to go missing. It's available on Amazon in paperback and ebook. Missing by Mia Molson Zia has garnered great reviews and evil love and endorsed by Howard celebrities, including Joanna Cassie, Forbes Riley, and many else. So grab your copy today for Girls Missing by Mia Molson Zia, available on Amazon. Also, the Mike Widener Show is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Picture This Photo Books, where remembering is the key ingredient. How beautiful your mother looked at her wedding and even more so at yours. Well, who doesn't miss grandmother's meatballs? Huh? I certainly love them. The holidays are coming. What better time to give a gift of remembrance that makes you laugh and cry at the same time. Whatever gift that grandma's recipes or just because those smiles and tears will melt your heart. Call Karen Shaw at Picture This Photo Books at 646-798-0809. That's 646-798-0809. Or visit PictureThisPhotoBooks.com. Mention the Mike Widener Show and get 10% off your first order. Picture This Photo Books bringing your memories back to life. They're whimsical, casual, or formal, and always uniquely you. And don't forget to check out the Mike Widener Show at themikewidenershow.com over 30 podcast platforms. Take the Mike Widener Show with you on any mobile device. Subscribe to the Mike Widener Show on the YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram and Twitter today and check out the Mike Widener Show merchandise at themikewidenershow.com. And also don't forget to... um. Check out the Me and Molson Zia store as well, too, at Amazon.com slash Me and Molson Zia for great books and more. And um, if you also want to uh, donate as well, too, feel free to do so at themikewidenershow.com. You can also um, check out um, Anchor FM slash Report and PayPal and make sure you do so today. We're here with the amazingly multi-talented Philip Block, American celebrity stylist, designer, TV personality here on the Mike Widener Show. Also been in 17 films, produced two movies and a correspondent for E, CNN, Entertainment Tonight, Access Hollywood. We also talk about your fashion career getting starting off in the 80s as a model. And um, you also got to be a stylist in the 90s. So let's go from the uh, 80s over to the 90s as a fashion stylist. And um, tell us how you got started on that. Um, really interesting. Again, when I was leaving the modeling career, I wanted to do something that I could travel, that I could still lead this great life. I, I love Europe. I wanted to be involved with Europe and fashion and just, you know, taking, taking the next step. And I got to New York and things don't always happen the way you think you're going to happen. I literally went from the the modeling career into a whole different vibe, which was the the house, the voguing houses um, of the of the early '90s, where Madonna created the song Vogue, and there were all the voguing houses. And there's the TV show Pose. I don't know if you watch Pose or your viewers watch Pose, but there's a great show Pose, and it really tells those stories. So I went from being a real model in Europe to hanging around with all these kids in New York, and I was 
around the same age, a little, I was a little older by that point, but I lived this whole weird life as a model and all they really wanted to do was be a model. It was very, very interesting to go through that period in my life. And it was a great period in New York, very creative. Keith Haring was around and Basquiat, you know, I mean, there was just, there was a lot of great energy in the city. And, and um, I ended up, I just ended up styling from going from a, a model. I thought people liked my style. They liked what I wore. And I ended up styling. I was like, okay, well, I could do that. I have a credit card. I like clothes. I have good taste. I have an eye. And I guess I, I had good connections. And one thing led to the other. You know, I mean, I was, I was pretty lucky. I, I struggled for a while. I was the first fashion editor at Vibe magazine, mm -hmm. um, the hip-hop magazine, Vibe magazine, with Quincy Jones started it. And um, I think it was really interesting to be in that time in the early 90s before there was a Black Lives Matter movement. And to be involved in the voguing houses, which were, you know, all the black trans kids, it was all black and Latinos and, and trans. Now it's very in style. It's very fashion. Everybody talks about it. But in those times, it was against the law. You know, <laughs> it was like, right. right. I, I remember they're just like, you know, what are you doing? And it's just like it was um, that kind of attitude. But just like everything, it gets accepted over time. And nowadays it's like it's become more mainstream these days. But it took 40 years. There was somebody named Marsha P. Johnson. She was really somebody who was ahead of her time. She used to live on the street in Christopher Street, but she was this trans character and she was bipolar. And sometimes she was very sweet and funny and girl. And other times she was bipolar and crazy and didn't take her medicine and she was nasty. But uh, bitch, get out of here, you know? <laughs> so you never knew which one you were going to get. But it's interesting. They're building a statue for her. She's like a hero now. She has become basically one of the faces and the names of, of that movement. It's very, very interesting. And then to work at Vibe and the same thing I worked with in the fashion houses and people wouldn't um, loan clothes to black people. They would say, oh, well, black people don't really buy clothes. Um, that's not really our customer. Hip hop isn't really, you know, the hip hop artists aren't our, our customer. It's very funny. And this was coming from Calvin Klein's office. This was Ralph Lauren. This was Tommy Hilfiger. Oh, wow. Most of them said no in 1992. And ironically, Ralph Lauren signed Tyson Beckford in 1993. And I think right after this more modern rap hip hop era BLM movement. You know, I think, you know, there's always been a Black Lives Matter movement. If you think about it, going back to Martin Luther King, going back to slavery, there's always been people fighting Harriet Tubman. But in this, this new wave really, I think kind of started with kind of a vibe magazine and hip hop, little Kim, Diddy, Biggie, that whole wave of kind of revolutionary music and revolutionary attitude. It brought, it brought the streets politics to the streets it brought the it brought the lifestyle to the streets and the streets to the lifestyle i mean it's such been such a huge influence everywhere you go every mm -hmm. city you going little white kids are listening to hip-hop hip-hop is in our commercials it's in our vernacular you know webster's dictionaries adding words that that they make oh, up in yes i i seen them yeah and in fact um there's also that company which i i bought you know a while back which was fubu which is for us, by us, and that was a very, very interesting um line of clothes. And of course, you know, I bought Michael Jordan sneakers. I bought those um, you know, those uh ha hammer pants and uh, and the hammer tops and everything <laughs> like that. So it's like you know, oh, I want to see I, some I pictures those. of they're that. Like, they're they're comfortable as heck. I'll tell you, they're comfortable. My wife loved them. <laughs> 
Exactly. But, you know, I saw, I mean, seeing that whole movement and, and being a part of that was interesting in the 90s. And then I just decided I wanted to go to Hollywood. I wanted to do something different. Um, I didn't really want to work with models so much. I, you know, I'd done that as a model. I didn't enjoy working with the models as, as much. I, I love Cindy Crawford and Linda Evangelista and Christy and all those girls. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I just wanted to do, I wanted to work with the movie stars and the singers. I thought I want to go to Hollywood and work with Oprah and Vanessa Williams and, and Vogue and Tony Braxton and Whitney Houston. Oh my gosh, please let me be able to work with Whitney Houston. And uh, that was like my dream. And I got to Hollywood and I, I worked with a lot of those people and I started working with the celebrities. It was just a different kind of place. And I worked as a liaison really between the European houses because I knew a lot of them from my modeling days. Mm -hmm. And and it, it was maybe different people, but somebody I knew knew somebody and you know it connected. And uh, so I was a liaison between, between the European fashion houses, the New York fashion houses and Hollywood. There was nobody that really connected that. Like the Shares and Carol Burnett, they all worked with Bob Mackey. Mm, he was an LA yeah. designer. There were a couple LA designers, Norell. That was a California designer. A lot of the Hollywood people worked with that. He did, I think, Dynasty, et cetera. Oh, and you know, a lot of, the, uh, who did Dynasty? I can't remember that right now, but. A lot of those designers were LA designers. They weren't like Calvin and Donna. There was no liaison between a lot of those houses and 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 Hollywood. And I was that guy. I just happened to be the one in the middle, the, the in the right place at the right time. When there was a whole new Hollywood glamour, I kind of brought an all a new twist to Hollywood glamour that wasn't there before. In the seventies, early eighties, there wasn't you know the Louise uh, Louise. Um, from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and um, and Sally Field kind of Oscar winning days weren't as glamorous. They got their dresses from a store. I kind of connected all that. And, oh, wow. And really what we call marketing, what's become marketing today and branding and people pay millions of dollars for what I was doing for free. And I was just never about the money. I, I just didn't do it for the money, which is part of my issue with Hollywood. We talked about before. I said, I'm not really a fan of Hollywood. Hollywood's about the money, the power, the prestige. I love the job. I love what I do. I love the actresses. I love the idea of the image and creating these images that, that change people's lives. The best compliment I ever get, the best gift I get is when somebody comes up to me and says, oh my gosh, I love you did Michael Jackson's last photo shoots for Ebony, or you dressed Halle Berry for the Oscars, or you did Forrest Whitaker and his wife for the Oscars, or, you know, some cover. And they'll say, oh my God, I used to, I love... And then Nicole Smith, I saw the pictures you did of her. And, you know, especially now with Instagram, people pull up all these all day. Every celebrity. Oh, has my gosh. It's like Instagram's all over the place. It's like they even Photoshop to look like, say, with, um, you know, like uh, Whitney Houston or Madonna or even like, say, Melania Trump. It's like Photoshop. It's like they'll take a they'll take a celebrity and create like as a celebrity or, you know, they could take a picture. Of you or take a picture of me and, um, you know, make it make it look like Tom Cruise or something. So. I mean, I mean, so social media just makes you just um, just shape of the way you want or so. Yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. And so that I think people tend to go backwards and, you know, they love the fans so they pull out those images. So I think it's, that was really fun for me. And I think an important part of that career for me. And I also got to work with a lot of brands like eBay and Domino's Pizza. And, you know, it's so funny the different brands you work with that want a stylish aspect to their, to their company, for their company. So they call on someone like myself. You know, one time um, one of the car companies was doing a whole makeover and they had these 
you know, SUVs, but the back had all these different shelves in it and all this setup in it. So they called on me to talk about as a stylist, how I would use it. Or a lot of times beauty brands call me and they ask me how to, you know, how would you wear that with your clothes? I do a lot of TV segments about that as well. I think fashion has been a great gift to me and been a very multitude of careers, multitude of careers. What, what was the most unusual request that you ever gotten when it, when it comes to being a stylist? Oh, we were just talking about what was the most unusual quest? Um, I think, I think when, uh, I think when, uh, was it Domino's or Pizza Hut? Or, uh, I'm trying to think of which was the, the, I'm pretty sure it was Domino's. One of the big pizza chains hired me. I thought that was really weird, but it was for Golden Globes and they had a golden crust. I was like, okay. And so golden they wanted like, golden crust. Hmm. Golden crust, golden gloves. So they wanted me to style like these models in golden colored dresses for the the golden globes, you know. So like have your own golden globes party. Anyway, um, but I, my other one really was was uh, when Mattel called. Mattel called and asked me to remake Ken. Huh? Remake yeah. Ken? I've never heard that. It's like there's Google, only this baby, remaking Google. Barbie, but. Remaking Ken? Wow, that Google. is a first. Oh my gosh. No, you got to go in and Google. Ken's had a few makeovers and it had been their 40th anniversary. They'd been dating for 40 years, I believe it was. Happy and anniversary. The spark, the spark was gone. The spark was gone and she wanted him to have a little makeover. So I made him a little bit um, Pierce Brosnan, a little bit Orlando Bloom, and a little bit Jim Carrey. You know, <laughs> like his style and a little bit me. And because I worked with all those guys, so... Their style was a little my style. And, and um, yeah, that was the makeover of Ken. I think that was my weirdest, coolest, kind of most interesting makeover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Google it. It's really funny. Yeah. In, in fact, I'll, probably, I'll probably Google it a little bit later as well, too. You also um, style from Melania Trump as well, too. And um, that had to be quite interesting. I didn't actually work with Melania. I've met Melania many times, but I didn't actually style Melania. I styled Tiffany for the um for the inauguration and um you can't blame the kids for the sins of the father ah you know the father it's like i've heard that expression so many times heaven help us sins of the father <laughs> i know i know i know you know um i worked with donald i worked at the uh, as at the pageants as the creative director for the for the pageants for a year or two and um I like Donald back in the 90s. Donald dated a very good friend of mine at that point. Actually, she's a model oh, and wow. right before Melania. And um, actually, she's half black. So, you know, he's not as racist as everybody would like to think. <laughs> I, think he, I think he's extremely no, racist. No, no, not yet. Not just for her. Build the wall. No, not her. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Basically, you know, he's, he, it's interesting. It's interesting. He's, he's an interesting character. But again, we, I, I speak to her all the time. We're still best friends. And we both go like, what the fuck? You dodged a bullet there, girl. <laughs> like, woo! We didn't see that one coming. Yeah. We didn't see that one coming. You know when there's like the nice quiet kid on the block and he turns out to be the serial rapist murderer? It's almost like that. Not that Donald was ever the innocent kid on the block, but you just didn't see this craziness coming. It was, it was, he was always a lot and never a really a nice guy you know i mean but i mean from like one-on-one -on -one, he could be the greatest for you but but you know you knew he wasn't coming from a place of loving kind caringness you knew there was always something a little crazy there but um yeah it was and I, i've been friends with the wife i've known ivanka 
for many, many, many years. I mean, I have to say I was really surprised at what a lot of the things Ivanka did. I was very hurt and surprised. I've known her for a long time. I really didn't see her as that person. Um, I had a show on ABC News where I, where I interviewed celebrities about their charities. Oh, and wow. um, she was one of my favorite interviews. She worked with Girl Up a lot. She was very empowering to young women. And I love that side of her. And she's very devout to, to her husband's faith and a loyal wife and, and a loyal mother. And I loved how her schedule worked because I know her. I know, I know her. But to see how it all turned out was just fascinating, fascinating and very disappointing, depressing, sad. And um, I, I, I know all the wives. You know, I, I, was, I was very friends with Tiffany's mom as well. Very sweet, kind, wonderful woman. She danced with the devil and got out, Marla Maples. Mm, She's very yes. spiritual. That, that, that was like a, a one and done pretty much, was it? A couple of years or something? Ooh, yeah. Maples, yeah, wow. Oh, my Ooh. gosh. <laughs> yeah, that was my, that's my experiences with the Trumps along the way. You know, I, I do say, you know, you, 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 I, I do things for two reasons. My reasons are never really um, power or money, but I do things because I like somebody or I, I like the job. I like what the idea of it is. Um, and I have, I'm a big believer in um, iconic images and, and, and I, 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 moments in time, moments in time when you're more than you thought you could be. And so when Tiffany's mom came to me and asked me to help Tiffany for the inauguration. I think some of us tried to be positive and believe it wouldn't be as bad as it ended up being. I think some of us thought like, okay, maybe he's just this big a douchebag just to get camera time and he's going to be better as president. Well, obviously that didn't happen, but <laughs> I, I believed that it wasn't her fault. I believe that she was a girl helping her dad. And I believe that she was a girl kind of, with a less than great reputation for no reason because of her sister. Like people automatically compared her and, and Ivanka was the more golden child and people would say, oh, she's the ugly one or she's the this or she's the that. And they didn't even know her. So uh, those are my reasons for doing it because I felt, and, and I believe it was the president of the United States first daughter and it's an, an obligation as an American if called to service to, to do service with the country. Who knew he'd be so hated? I mean, I just, you just at that point didn't even know it could be that bad. I knew it was bad. I mean, like mm -hmm. you just, but I did my job. I did my job for my country. I did what my job is and I feel called to service and, and I've, I've dressed a lot of people I don't like. <laughs> I'm sure you've interviewed a lot of people you don't like. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing. I will not get in that part about uh, who I like, who I don't like and everything else. And of course, you know, people are people. They have good days. They have bad days and everything else. But of course, you know, we're not here to bash people. We're here to encourage people, lift people yeah. up and whatever else. And I think that's what we really need right now is more encouragement or lifting and everything else. And of course, with um, you having a background, it says you really lift a lot of people up and just ask. Yeah amazing i'll tell you so. that was my my thing you know i mean i'm here to forever that picture of her on the inauguration will be a part of history like his daughters you know i mean like you do what you're called to do you know i, I don't think everybody goes to work every day with a boss they love <laughs> you know i think it's funny because a lot of people are like how could you do that i'm like how do you go to work every day you complain about your boss every day <laughs> I listen to you complain about your boss every day and you go, please don't yell at me for doing what I thought was the right thing. It doesn't mean I like them. It doesn't, you know, again. So anyway, very interesting, very interesting. I think that was a, a very interesting. And I think the media, I, I, I hate the whole notion of fake news, but I think that the media 
take certain quotes out of context and it becomes a very big thing. I've seen it happen. I've seen, I know what I've said on interviews and I've seen a sentence dragged through a hundred newspapers. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like drain the swamp, which uh, I was reading too. That was actually uh, created by a PR guy. It's like, it wasn't Trump's idea. It was just a PR guy drain the swamp. And there was also um, a few others. When I heard about that, I'm like, really? Drain well, they the said to me, there was one oh my gosh. There was one which drains the swamp is what you had to do in the end and is being done every day. There's another today. Again, somebody else from the Trump group was prosecuted and convicted. Um, but anyway, um, you know, I, I, I forgot my train of thought there, but <laughs> I think you're, you're talking about uh, misinterpreted they, uh, quotes, lines and everything from your well, uh, they, interview work. They took a sentence, which was um, they asked me, do you think Donald Trump always dreamed of becoming do you think Melania Trump always dreamed of becoming first lady? And I was like, what are we, first of all, like what a ridiculous, uh, when somebody asked me a question, I actually listen. So when you say, did Melania Trump, do you think Melania Trump always dreamed of being first lady? Well, no, I don't because she grew up where, and where did she think she was, you know, like did, she didn't think she was going to come to America and become like, who? Uh, no, I don't think she thought that. It was and almost I, so like a I who said, knew, you're right. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, when she was 20, I don't think she thought of it. Maybe when she met Donald, I don't even think when she met Donald, she thought she'd be first lady. I don't think she thought Donald was going to ever be first lady. I thought she thought, so the question is, do you think? So my answer was, no, I don't think Melania, I don't think being first lady was Melania's dream. I think that was probably more, that was always more Donald's dream. And that quote went everywhere. Philip Lodd, Melania's stylist, says being first lady was never her dream. It was always Donald Trump's dream. That's that's how they take a sentence and make it seem like something it's not. It wasn't fake news at all. It is what I thought. It is what I said. But in the context and how they took it and ran with it was interesting. It was slightly askewed, mm -hmm. not wrong. Or, or, or Mike, try and make it sen sensationalized. You know, that's a thing, trying to get attention. And there was a quote that I remember very well. My journalism teacher had told me about um, the Beatles, John Lennon, when he said, oh, all the Beatles are, uh, you know, are bigger than Jesus Christ. And and uh, they all took it as a uh, blasphemy and they're burning Beatles records. And then John Lennon later said that he said that uh, sarcasm because he got tired his mates, John Paul, George Ringo, being followed around like like they were Jesus. They were just getting tired of being followed and like absolutely ah, screaming girls. It's like he said that uh, sarcasm is like you know they're being treated like Jesus Christ. It's like he doesn't want it that way. It's like they're being tired of being treated like Jesus. It's like they're musicians. You know that was a whole thing that got taken out of context. It's very that's very interesting and very true. I think a lot of times the media does take things, it takes a sentence and goes with it. And it's not wrong. It's just the perspective or the spin that you that they put on it. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, of course, you know, since we're on that subject as well, too, you being on with, um, you know, regular correspondent with ECNN Entertainment Tonight, Access Hollywood. And I think you just about covered the gambit and maybe just um, a few more as well, too, with, um, you, you know, some of that. And uh, now, did that come in uh, part uh, after being a stylist or when, when did that correspondent uh, come in the way in your career? I think that I started probably back in 96 was sort of the first step I started on House of Style with MTV. Um, it was a big show with Cindy Crawford started. But by the time I was there, um, 
I was in the seasons uh, with Molly Sims when Molly Sims came on. Oh, I and, remember that. Yes. Um, and they had the Sims family. They had like the animation and everything. Then became a video game clothing line and all that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, I think it's a different. That was Molly Sims and that was the Simpsons. But close, close. Not, close in there. I, I, I was referring to Simpsons. I was talking about Molly Sims. I mean, the Simpsons are just a totally different animal. <laughs> so like, oh my gosh. And it's like, I'm going back to nineties. Here I am young, newly married and, uh, you know, get involved with Molly Sims, the Simpsons, eating Domino's pizza and uh, wearing hammer Life pants and Michael 90s. Jordan shoes and being a Bulls fan and all that. Life was good in the nineties. But uh, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I think that one thing led to the other. I think because I had been a model and I'd been very comfortable in front of the camera I think that um, I was really kind of at my hashtag on Instagram as the original influencer. I really was kind of an original. I was one of the first people they took from behind the camera and made them famous. You know what I mean? I, I don't think before there weren't really talking heads. There weren't really what we refer to as talking heads or or influencers or experts. And that's really what I was. And I was I actually the difference between an influencer now and myself was I actually did the job and had the credentials and you could see why I was being called the best because the work was there <laughs> mm -hmm. as opposed to now people are experts, but you don't really know who they are or what they've really done to be an expert or like the, the bar is very low on what's an expert now. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I think I was very fortunate. I was in a time where that was transitioning. There wasn't really really reality TV. You know, it was somewhere in that time of transition from regular TV uh, programmed as it was, and that Hollywood structure of, of the, the studio system, I really consider myself very fortunate, one of the last people to get over the studio wall, so to speak, before the tidal wave of, of you know, what we have now of streaming kind of came along. I think oh, I'm yes. one of the last... I think I'm one of the last people that kind of got known in the TV world, like, like you know, not the last, but like Rachel Zoe, all of us kind of came in that and run of like influencer people that got on TV and got known before everybody became a star, mm -hmm. you know, that we were the first of that. And I think, you know, the, the, the studio wanted you to be a certain way and they would, they would, they brought you back because they liked you. And I think I, I fit in the mold that they wanted. I was just gay enough. I was just um, ethnic enough for them. I wasn't, too ethnic one way. I wasn't too white. I think ethnic people like me. I think white people got me. I think gay people got me. I think straight people got me. I think people just sort of vibed with, with my thing and agreed with what I, what I thought. So I was very fortunate to work on all those different networks at different times and consecutively and really, very, really, very, very, he was such a good home to me with Joan Rivers for many years. I worked a lot with Joan and um, I, I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful to, to, and to do all those talk shows like Oprah and Kelly and, Kelly and Regis and Kelly and Michael and Kelly uh, and Mark. And yeah, yeah. It's like, Ke or Kelly and everybody. That's what seems yes. like. <laughs> God bless Kelly. Kelly, Kelly Ripper, yeah. Yay. Hey, it could be Kelly and you or Kelly and me or Kelly and all of us. It's like, <laughs> We should be so lucky. <laughs> oh, oh, exactly it. And of course, the fact that um, I, I was going to I was going to mention as well, too, like with, um, you know, relatability, it's like that's something you really, really need in order to succeed instead of being pigeonholed into one thing like they did in the studios back in the day. Relatability. I mean, that's got to be the most important ingredient. And yet it's also very underrated and also like um, underappreciated or what, what that term is. It seems like, you know, relativity needs to be like, you know more out in the open and um, more significant. I, I think that 
Hollywood really likes to pigeonhole you. I think that the industry really likes to pigeonhole people. I saw uh, Cher speaking even the other day about how hard it was to become an actress and how Robert Altman took a chance on her with uh, Welcome Back to the Five and Dime, Jimmy Dean, and he couldn't even get funding. Like so many studios turned him down because he wanted Cher to star in that movie. And he's the one that got the movie made and got the money and that changed her career. She was bankrupt at a certain point before she went into the acting and mm -hmm. very, very interesting. I think, you know, like Britney, we want to see her as this young blonde thing, you know, someone like a Madonna or Gaga have had the ability to be chameleons, but most people kind of stay the same or are very, you know, similar to the roles they play. Julia Roberts plays Julia Roberts and everything she does. She does it magnificently. And I could just melt it at 90% of the things she, that come out of her mouth in any movie. I could just be like, I love her. But <laughs> even when she's like a gangster bitch or like a sweet angel, that's Julia for you. You know, it's just the way, but I think Hollywood likes you to be a certain way. So um, um, I think they look for that and, and it's very hard to do different than that. So I think people saw me as a fashion influencer. They love me as that. They love me as this kind of snarky, funny gay guy on TV. But when I wanted to do different things, I think, I think that Hollywood definitely resisted. I've, I've seen that in my career, different projects I've worked on. I think, I, I always jokingly say anyone will take a movie with me and uh, a meeting with me in Hollywood, but they won't necessarily do my project. They'll listen to what I have to say. They'll take my ideas and kind of do something else with them. A lot of times it's very interesting, mm -hmm. but everybody will take a meeting with me. It's, it's respect, but it's very interesting in Hollywood. They can respect you. And like a Donald Trump, he'll respect what somebody says, but then he'll talk shit about him. <laughs> or, or just like, yeah. Yeah, whatever. See you later. And, and of course, talking about change when it comes to Hollywood, I know it's with Disney ever since they uh, bought just about every um, every studio on the planet there is. It's like, you know, they, they tend to remake just a bunch of things. It's like how many Three Musketeers are going to watch a Robin Hood or um, say like Lion King. It's like how many revisions are going to have? It's like what happened to originality these days? Yeah, it's very interesting. Originality is not a, a big thing. Uh, it's, it's hard. I, I've been working for the last five years. I've been working producing films about black history and black supermodels. And it's, it's really hard. You know, I have a deal with Lionsgate for several years now and Queen Latifah and I are working on a project. But it's really it takes a long time for things to get made when people say, oh, my God, it took nine years to get this project made. They're not lying when they win the Oscar or the Emmy and they're like, everyone said it couldn't be done. It's true. Mm -hmm. and, and I also talked to some somebody as well too earlier that they said that, um, you know, there's bands out there that, um, you know, are, you know, actually get a song out there. It took them 10 years to get them to the top and they pretty much stay there and, and then they end up having more respect. It's like, you know, one, one song takes them 10 years to finally get their at and, and they get respect. I think that's what people need to learn. It's like, it takes a lot of hard work to get there it's like i'd rather be a member of what i did um you know like you know you know 10 years unlike uh, being like a flash in a pan you know 10 years ago no, nobody ever heard it ever hear of you now yeah i i don't know you know i mean there's no there's no right answer you know and look how some people have three four hits and then never anything else and you know like you don't realize how, how long a lifetime is and how long you've got to survive and live and I think being famous is a very, or being known as a very um, double-edged sword for people. I think it's very hard to have two, three number one hits. That money doesn't last forever. You can, you're not living on that, especially if there's a band and you're splitting that money. Like you're not living on that your whole life. What do you do at 50? You got to go be a waiter. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of people in Hollywood. I've seen 
So interesting, uh, a friend of mine who was a top, top, top model, probably in the 80s, I don't know how many Vogue covers, at least 12, 15 American Vogue models, like probably one of the, big, the biggest, biggest American, one of the top five American female models in the 80s with Vogue covers. And she's a real estate broker at 60 something years old. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think some people know how to manage money and all that. Even I, I don't even remember I, who had a number one hit in 92 or something. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, you weren't making that much money then. You know, nobody was, if you were making up models, making the big deal was like, they're getting $500,000 a day. Mm -hmm. You know, they get 500,000 for a campaign. That was like a big thing. Margot Hemingway came along in the eighties and made a million dollars for the babe campaign. Well, how long would a million dollars isn't going to last you your life? Are you kidding me? A million dollars wouldn't last you 10 years now, maybe. Uh, uh, unless, unless you invest right. It's like, you know, you know, people yeah, are taught investing. Yeah, but by the time you get the taxes taken and the agent's fees taken and blah, 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 blah. What is that? You know, like people don't realize like that money does not last forever. That money is just, you know, how long do you, how much do you really need? Even investing, if you're investing really big and you're making money on investment, that's another story. You know, I mean, that's another career and a job. Mm -hmm. And right. you have to be trained to know what you're doing in that, you know, or have people that do. But yeah, I, I think it's, I don't think that person uh, squandered their money at all. I, you know, I, I just think it's hard. I think it's hard for all of, I think anybody that made a lot of money in those times does not have that money now. Mm -hmm. and, and of course they invest wisely as well too. Some getting other yeah. careers and um, also too, uh, we also like to touch as well too. You also appeared in 17 films, produced two movies and um, as well too. We'll talk about it in just a minute. You listen to the Mike Widener show at the Mike Widener show.com powered by SoundCraft studios. Visit online at soundcraftstudios.com for all your needs. Also brought to you by official sponsor of the Mike Widener Show, international warring author Mia Mosens, you have missing, available on Amazon and paperback and ebook. Also brought to you by uh, Pictureless Photo Books, where remembering is a key ingredient. Call Karen Shaw at 646-798-0809 or visit picturelessphotobooks.com. We'll be back with the multi-talented American celebrity stylist, designer, TV personality, and actor, Philip Block, after this time, this edition of the Mike Wagner Show is brought to you by Picture This Photo Books, where remembering is a key ingredient. How beautiful your mother looked at her wedding, and even more so at yours. And who doesn't miss grandma's meatballs? The holidays are coming. What better time to give a gift of remembrance that makes you laugh and cry all at the same time? Whatever gift of grandma's recipes, or just because, those smiles and tears will melt your heart. Call Karen Shaw at 646-798-0809 or visit PictureThisPhotoBooks.com. Mention the Mike Wagner Show and get 10% off your first order. Picture This Photo Books, bringing your memories back to life. They're whimsical, casual, or formal, and always uniquely you. Hey everybody, my name is Forbes Riley and I'm an American actress and a TV host. And I was delighted when I got my copy of Missing, which is Extraordinary Relation of Ordinary People based on a real life relationship. It's just, it's well-written, it's amazing. You know, it talks about a man who has lost his wife and his daughter and it's very well done. I'm gonna highly recommend that you go get your copy of Missing. It is a powerful, exciting read. Mr. Mian Moshazia. He is the author of Missing. And I want to give a big shout out and a kiss all the way halfway around the world to my dear friend. Check him out at Mia's website. It's called www.miamotionzea.com. Missing, available on Amazon. Again, I'm Forbes Riley, and I will see you again soon.
Bye-bye. The Mike Wagner Show is powered by Sonic Web Studios. If you're looking to start or upgrade your online presence, visit www.sonicwebstudios.com for all of your online needs. Call 1-800-303-3960 or visit us online at www.sonicwebstudios.com to get started today. Mention The Mike Wagner Show and get 20% off your project. Sonic Web Studios. Take your image to the next level. Hey, hey, this is Ray Powers. And if there's one thing you can count on in these unpredictable times, it's that you're in good hands getting some great radio, courtesy of The Mike Wagner Show. We're back with American celebrity stylist, designer, TV personality, and we'll talk about as an actor, Philip Block here on the Mike Wagner Show. I mean, just amazing stories. You know, just um, I like to have just a pizza, you know, like with those uh, Golden Girls, Domino's Pizza and all that. I mean, I forgot to tell you, maybe so hungry talking pizza. I'm ready to just get one of the golden crust with these Golden Girls and Golden Cloves. Oh, my God. I just taste that, but avoid the noid. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wish that noise around you just... Burr. Yeah, pound up. So you, you also have been in um, 17 films as well, too. You produced two movies and uh, you produced Return to Babylon as well as you appearing also the unseen. You also were in Stealing Chanel, Booted, Gospel Hill, Victorian, Delirious, Dirty Laundry, Entourage, Law and Suicide and Death of Dynasty. And uh, tell us about some of the films as well as long along with your uh, two you produced. Um, Gosh, I, I think I've done so many different movies again. You know, it was never my goal to necessarily be an actor. I think in the late 70s, you know, graduating high school and in the 80s, as a gay guy, you wouldn't think you could really have a career as an actor. You know, I mean, there were very few like Rupert Everett kind of pushed through, um, you know, Tom Cruise. I mean, I, I didn't say that, um, <laughs> you know, um, just kidding, Tom. Um, um you know, I think I think it was difficult then to, to 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 have that dream and to be realistic about it. And I was doing my other things, but um, when I got known from the TV stuff, opportunities came, and um, I'm creative. I, I had seen a film, and um, the Queen with um, Helen Mirren, and she spoke about how becoming the character was so important. And I'd worked with so many great actors like John Travolta or Jim Carrey, and seeing Jim go into character. And when I saw Jim go into character for a couple of the films he worked on and then doing his wardrobe for other events, it just really inspired me and said, I want to do that. Like going into character is a very interesting psychological thing to do. And so I ended up uh, playing a blind, visually impaired man in a film called The Unseen, which ran on Stars. Mm. It was for Stars. Um, we did a bunch of the film circuits with a Gail Harrell from Queer as Folk is in it, Michelle Clooney from Queer as Folk, and a... Uh, Judah Friedlander from 30 Rock was on it. And, oh, um, wow. Woo. Or 40, 30 Rock, 40 Rock. Uh, and um, Judah's great. And oh, um, oh my gosh, who else? They're so, it was such a great cast. Really, really fun. And Lisa, Lisa France directed it, who's now like working with Ava DuVarnay doing Queen Sugar. She's a great female director. Um, so I had this story idea for a film that I'd seen uh, with Sydney Poitier, A Patch of Blue. And I thought that it would make a, a great urban modern story. And I brought it to the director. And as directors do, they take your idea and turn it around. And so it's not your idea. It's their idea. I don't know why they do that, but they just do. Too, too and, common um, these days. Thanks to social media. Also, it's almost like way too common. Now it's just like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
It's just like you bring it to them and you say, here's what I want to do. And they're like, oh, my God, I love this. And then it always ends up being the opposite of what you wanted to do so that they put their finger. I, I don't know why that is, but that's another story. But this project was great. And I went with the director's um, impression ended up being a Southern story. And we shot this. Oh, it's back in like 2007. I think it came out. It was really great. And it was just fun to dress for the character and do the wardrobe. I worked on the wardrobe at the same time. I played a blind, visually impaired shut in. Oh, yeah, Steve. Steve Harris from The Practice and uh, um, and uh, Diary of a Mad Black Woman was in the movie also. Steve Harris, he kind of saves me. Mm -hmm. um, so that was really exciting. Return to Babylon was a great film. It was a silent movie. Um, it's never really come out. There's actually a documentary being done about this movie. And um, it's so interesting. It's a great cast. It had Jennifer Tilly, Deb Mazar, um, Tippi Hedren, Oh, uh, Maria yes. Panchita Alonso, Issei Morales. Um, it just had so many cool actors and actresses in it. And we played all these silent movie stars. And the uh, director went crazy and ended up getting locked up at a certain point. Really? And he's this kind of cult figure. His name is Monty Katawadi. And now there's somebody actually doing a movie at Fox. So we did the movie. It didn't end up doing the film circuit because he never got it finished. He kept seeing Jesus, speaking of Jesus, he gets in everything. Um, he kept seeing Jesus in the editing. It was the craziest stories. Um, and he lost his mind. They kind of put him away at a certain point. And then Fox, somebody somebody at Fox saw the movie when the, the movie The Artist won all the Academy Awards. And it was a silent movie. They were like, oh, they were looking for silent movies. So Fox took it over. They started re-editing. And then I don't know what happened. It never got released again. And now there's a documentary being made about this movie with this crazy cast that never got released because it's all these old Hollywood stories. And I play Ramon Navarro, mm -hmm. which is a great character. And I hope to one day, maybe I'll get to play in a whole movie that's just his story. I don't know. And he's, he's a very mm -hmm. specific story that I love. Um, and just so many others. I think that different movies I've gotten to be in, uh, you know, I, I got to be in a movie with Angela Bassett and Giancarlo Esposito and Sam Jackson um, I, I, you know, and, and Rizzo was in and Julia Stiles. That was really, that was really exciting. And I, I just think being in these different films and getting to go to the film festivals for me was very exciting and be a part of it. I haven't done it so much lately. Stealing Chanel with Lydia Hurst was, I think, probably one of the last movies I did. That was a couple of years ago. And it was fun, really fun comedy. And Lydia and I have been friends ever since. Carol Alt was in that movie with me. Um, you know, I think it's fun when you get to do these projects with your friends. I got to be in Wall Street, too. I was in like, a, 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 you know, these ballroom scenes and these fashion scenes in Wall Street, too, with Charlie Sheen, who was a good friend and client of mine for many years. That was really fun. And Carrie Mulligan was in that movie and she just started. I remember it's so funny working in Hollywood when you see somebody come in as a man who loves girls and loves beautiful girls. When you see a beautiful girl come in. And I'm used to it from the modeling industry. They can come in with no makeup, hair pulled back, scruffy, overalls on, a little tank top, flat sneakers, a paper bag instead of a bag, kind of denim jacket. And they come in and you're just like, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah you're like, wait a minute. Offered. <laughs> yeah, you're stunning under there. Wait a minute. Like. I've seen that a lot, you know? I mean, J-Lo, I remember the first time I saw J-Lo, but the first was really the same. J-Lo is different. J-Lo was a wow. There was no hiding it. Carrie Mulligan came in and I was like, I was talking to her and as I was talking to her, I was just looking at her, I was like, wow, she's really beautiful. You just clean all that up, put some makeup on, put do the hair, put a dress on her and boom, she's a million bucks. So 
Very Ooh, interesting man. to see that. I've gotten to see that a lot over the years. Wow, that is amazing. It makes me want to get into that stuff. <laughs> I know, right? It's fun. You know, I mean, I haven't done it as a serious, like, full-time career. I would probably starve and they wouldn't hire me. But, you know, I hate auditioning. That's the worst part is auditioning. Lucky, Luckily, I've gotten most of my parts through the directors, so... Mm. It's like here, you stand here, you stand here, you say this, you say that, put makeup on, we'll put you in a movie. Here, eat a pizza, you're in. So <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. I've, mm. I've been, I've been, um, I have to say, it's probably the hardest thing I've done, um, especially a couple times I've been Southern characters. And so, you know, you kind of got to get into the, you know, first of all, you have to put on your, your movie voice. And you got to put on your accent, and oh, then really? a lot of times, a lot of times the characters I play are real, real southern, real quiet. Uh huh. You know they don't they they're not the same, and you kind of have to get into that whole personality of what that's like. Mm. You oh, know, so that like, like well, well, bless, it's, it's well, hard bless to your heart. Do that. <laughs> well, bless your heart. You did a great job, y'all. Let's go get some southern fried. Let's get some fried chicken. Some uh. Some some black eyed peas, eh? <laughs> I, I had to do that. I had to play a hot dog vendor one time. So I had to have a Muslim accent, you know, and again, like getting into characters are very interesting. You know, when you if you go method and you choose like no matter for me, it's very exciting because you, you follow people that are like that. You get the life even just to play a hot dog vendor, which was like five minutes in a, five minutes in a movie with Loretta Devine. And it was a great cast. Again, another really fun cast. Loretta Devine's like an incredible actress. I was so excited to be in Veronica Webb, another friend of mine that was a model for years. We were in this, the movie together. We didn't shoot the same days, but a lot of times people you're friends with shoot different days than you do for some reason. Very funny. Oh my gosh. I mean, you just lived a heck of a life, Philip. I got to say that. And of all the professions you've been in, which one do you think is the most entertaining and why? Wow. Um, all of them for different reasons, all of them for different reasons. You know, I, I think now I'm excited. Now I'm starting to design again. I'm working on a clothing collection called God Stuff by Philip Block. And it's all like, it's designing. You know, I think again, there's, I'm, I'm working on this, a whole t-shirt and polo shirt and hoodie collection. But the other day I was thinking about how doing a fashion show and how would I present that? So I, I think everything is a project to me and, and how to, to show it to people in a different way. So I'm going to take um, a polo neck and, do it in a, like 40, 50 different ways. Like I'm going to deconstruct it and reconstruct it and make it the base of a fashion statement, a whole fashion show. So I, I think it's really interesting to kind of take something new and I'm doing like this very commercial brand. It's just these like great little polos, t-shirts, hoodies, hats with like little praying hands on them and little oh, nice. angel wings and gold, little angel wings, gold, instead of the polo pony or instead of the alligator. Mm -hmm. Got little praying hands. Very sweet, very chic. Nice. It can mean a lot of different things. No particular religion. I think it's very non-denominational. Mm -hmm. Whether you're Muslim or Jewish or, you know, we all can relate to praying hands. We all can relate to little angel wings or and a little crown. Interesting. Uh, yes. Very. I wanted to do something again. I like to, I think everything in a creative way. And I kind of think, well, how can I do this in what, what I am? People like to say, oh, what's your brand or, or your brand is this. I don't think of myself as a brand. I'm a person in what I do. I'm an artist and what I do. And my thing is like inclusive. I like to do things for uh, very, very um, 
you know, I'm not worried about size. I think in my time in Hollywood, when I worked with the actresses I worked with, who was considered little twiggy sticks. And I worked with girls that were curvy and voluptuous from Kathy Bates and, and Kirstie Alley, who I had so much fun. Oh my God, to Meg Ryan and Selma Hayek and JLo. I mean, I did JLo's first wedding. I did the premiere of Selena with JLo. You know, and if you think back in the day, JLo was curvy, you mm -hmm. know? And working with people like Kirstie Alley, I've learned to like work with different sizes. And Kirsten Johnson, who's on Mom and 30 Rock from the Sun, uh, Three Rock, th th Fort Rock from the Sun, whatever that was. Third Great Rock comedy. from the Sun, yes. Third Rock from the Sun, right? I was like, 30 Rock, Third Rock, right? Third, Third Rock from the Sun. Kristen, you know, tall, tall, tall. I, I love working with different people, different sizes, and, and I think bringing that into a clothing line. And I really was interested in what's going on in, you know, as being an ally for many years and working at Vibe, I think um, the equality movements that are going on for women, for Black people, for Muslims, for Asians, I, I think the, the 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 color barriers that we're breaking are very important. So I wanted to do something that really did speak to that and spoke to a spirituality to, that I think people have. You know, when you go to Hollywood and you work with the devil and you work with Donald Trump and you work with the devil and you, <laughs> you work with a lot of the personalities I've worked with over the years, you you see good and you see evil. And, and I think it's been very interesting to me to see how to balance that, have empathy, you know, as, as, as someone who considers himself an empath, to, to find out ways to bring your message forward to people that, that, like an artist, like a singer, like an actor, like a producer, like a director, like a writer, like all the things I've done, just as a designer is a different way. And I think, I, I love this idea, so I wanna do something that's very affordable, and then something that's attached to it that's very unaffordable and very, you know, I'm only going to do a lot of small drops of like 10, 20 couture pieces that, that you know, will be artisan made. And then there'll be the regular collection of T-shirts, hoodies that everybody can get. But I, I like the idea of, I, I think it's one of the exciting things about fashion now, the collector's items and the drops and a little mystery, a little modern version of couture, which still is around also. Oh my gosh, I am so looking forward to it. And I think we forgot to um, you know, hit upon one more thing. We're here with Philip Block and the Mike Wagner show. And um, you also styled the historic cover photos for River Phoenix and uh Michael Jackson, and it was like trying to be a last shoot. And what was it like, you know, you know, styling for uh, River Phoenix and uh Michael Jackson, especially when when days later or whenever it's like, you know, they end up uh passing on. Yeah, yeah. River was really close afterwards. River was my first job in L.A. Actually, I had it. I came to L.A. and I got with one of the biggest agencies before I got there. It was all planned. And I'd done an incredible job with L'Oreal and I made a bunch of money that I could live a few months. And I got to L.A. and I didn't work for a year. Wow. And a photographer, Michael Ty, called me and I asked me to work with River Phoenix um, for a cover of Detour magazine and um, which now became Flaunt. I think Detour ended up going out of business and became Flaunt and, and now. And um, with Luis Barajas and I it just changed my career that one shoot and I worked with the river and, you know, it was sad. It was definitely sad. He was, he was a high and he was coming off of being high that day. It was really sweaty and erratic, but he was cool. Like, you know, I really related to him again as a troubled kid that like, I think that's why my career was very successful in Hollywood because there's a part of me that is the damaged kid, like most people in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And so we relate on that level. Like I related with River. I worked with a lot of people that had drug problems or alcohol problems because 
I was, I was part of that. And I grew up in that environment with other kids and in my modeling years, et cetera. Um, I, I think, I think that really played into my relationship with river and, and it's people like Charlie Sheen and others in the industry that I think I just got along with better because I understood them better. I think the more, you know, the more you do, the more you experience, the more you understand other people better. And I think that's part of the gift that the industry's given me. So that, that cover was really interesting and to have river die. And then um, it ended up being on the cover of like spin magazine. It ran in all these magazines because it was his last photo shoot. And it was really just something that got put together, you know, kind of last minute. Michael was an incredible black and white photographer. The pictures were all in black and white. Great with some shadows of him. Really amazing. And then Michael, wow. Michael was really, um, you know, we all grew up with Michael and I think having that opportunity um, my friend Harriet had called me and we ran into each other at a baby fat show in New York with Kimora Lee Simmons when Kimora was designing baby fat and Russell. And um, they called me and uh, asked me if I, I was at the show and, and Harriet saw me and she was like, Hey, we're doing Michael Jackson for a cover for, for Ebony and Jet Magazine. Would you be interested? I was like, Oh, oh my, my gosh. God. <laughs> interested. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> and um, once again, I found a lot of racism. I found a lot of the designers were really racist. And um, I found it through a lot of my career. I found it really a lot of code and a lot of racism just from the different designers and who they would loan clothes to and the things they would say. And I think over the years, you learn to read through it and I think before we had this BLM, we weren't as aware that that's what it was, but it was, we knew what it was and we knew what was going on, but you just moved on and you went to the next and you went to the next. Right. Now people complain about it more. Um, I think it's really interesting. And, and with Michael, a lot of the designers said no, but you know, I went out and I made sure he had the best clothes. We had Alexander McQueen and Dolce and & Gabbana. And I actually went to Bergdorf Goodman and bought a lot of the clothes and returned it. What wow. we didn't use, yeah because some of the designers wouldn't lend. And I was just, I just was bound and determined. A lot of designers would, but certain designers definitely would not loan clothes and were very specific. He's not our client. You know, he's a black artist. It's not really our thing. Nobody really listens to Michael anymore. You know, just kind of a very disrespect, what I felt was disrespectful and not what the industry is, should be about. Mm -hmm. and, and not what my agenda was. My agenda was, a legend and who knew it would be his fat last photo shoots. And the, the covers are, are, are just extraordinary. We did Michael in a white Valentino tuxedo with a real gold mesh tie and, and a gold and diamond orchid pin on his lapel. Instead of oh, like wow. a boutonniere, it was a diamond and gold oh um, pin. So beautiful. And the, uh, the uh, jet cover, we were down in the tomb. We shot at the Brooklyn Museum. And um, we had the museum all to ourselves. It was such an amazing day. And we shot downstairs in these tombs because Michael loved, you know, the tombs and the sarcophagus. So we went down there and we shot him in this uh, Roberto Cavalli gold um, jacket. It was a woman's jacket, actually. It was so small, sample from the runway, but he fit in it. He was so tiny. He was very, very thin. Oh, wow. And um, very, very thin, even in that time. You know, it was sad. It was sad. And... Mm -hmm. um, that was one of, that was really quite a moment. They played the song, Mama Sai, Mama Sai, Mama Kusa, Mama Sai, Mama Sai, Mama And I just remember that moment and being down there, we were in this crowded room and the flashes were going and Michael was dancing and moving and very, very, that moment is frozen in time for me. One moment in time when you're more than you thought you could be. 
Wow, that is amazing. I mean, you you summed up your career very well, Philip. And we're here with um, American Silvery stylist, um, also designer, TV personality, and more. Philip Block here on the Mike Widener Show. Just a few more minutes. You've been absolutely amazing. I love to go on with you. Come back as well, too. And um, what, what, what can you expect from you in 2021 and beyond, Philip? Well, really, I'm really focusing on these films that I, I'm producing, documentary films. And I think that... Um, they're very fashion oriented and uh, a little true mystery and crime in there. Very exciting. I'm excited about those, you know, but in Hollywood, you have to keep it quiet. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've been working on those for a while. And the clothing line, I'm very excited about the clothing line. And I think God stuff is going to be really excited. God stuff anointed apparel. I think that's going to be a lot of my focus. And, and I think the charity work I'll be able to do with it, like each of the brands, well, each of the brands within the brand, will give money to a certain charity. I'm, I'm looking into different charities I want to work with. I think I want to work with my friend, Christy Turlington, the model. She has a great charity, uh, Every Mother Counts. So mm-hmm. I think a lot, I'll probably work with a lot of my friends' charities. Most of the celebrities I know have their own charities and organizations that they work with. Um, so I, I, I'm looking forward to that and being able to give back. I think when you can do things and they bring people joy and they can help other people economically, and they can be good for the environment, good for the planet. I mean, I think as much good as you can do with your projects, the better it is. And I, you know, so I hope, I hope people start to check out, uh, you know, it takes a lot to design now and to have a collection. It does. You know, yes. I mean, it- there's all social media. You have to have a TikTok. You have to have Instagram. You have to have Twitter. You have to have Facebook. You have to have um, uh, LinkedIn. For me, I have five social media outlets that you have to have content for every day. So, so much of your process is creating content. I'm really looking forward to the fashion shoots and creating fashion shows and videos and really kind of what I've been doing my whole career, but doing it in a different perspective and, and being <laughs> doing it with a different budget because I'm paying for it this time. Right. I, I wanted to be able to do it on my own without a big, I wanted to do something. I felt like I've been very blessed by the studios in Hollywood and the TV networks and the stations. I, I wanted to be able to do something that was just me and smaller, even though it never can be small anymore. <laughs> uh, right. And, and you do an amazing job as well, too, Philip. And uh, who do you consider biggest influence in your career? Oh, wow. Um, I would say a few characters from movies. Absolutely. But uh, I would say my biggest influence in my life and career would be Princess Diana, Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King, Diana Ross and Grace Kelly. Wow. That is a heck of a lineup. I got to say that. I, I think, you know, I think for me, integrity, dignity, elegance, um, confidence, um, be able to deliver a message, um, being as much for the people and glamorous at the same time. I think it's a hard line to walk. You know, some people are very glamorous and fall, fall, fall and self-centered and don't get to appreciate the finer things in life. And some people, when you're not as cutting edge and as, as willing to fight for that career and put money and power and prestige forward, you don't get to be those people by just being nice and meditating. Unfortunately, you have to, there's a, there's a power and a climb behind all that. So I I think those people have been very important in, in my life. I think the movie Julie, I mentioned before with Meryl, uh, with Vanessa Redgrave and, uh, and Meryl Streep, I, I think that was, Meryl Streep was, it was her first movie was in that. It was uh, oh, wow. Jane Fonda, Vanessa Redgrave, and Meryl Streep's first movie, Julia. Look for it. She has the tiny cameo in it. And it just goes to show you, anybody can make anything of a tiny cameo. I think Vanessa Redgrave's character and the Jane Fonda character have always been interesting to me because it's a battle between fighting for the people 
and being glamorous and creating your art and being in a bon vivant world. So I, I think that's my role models. That is something very amazing, Philip. And what's the best advice you can give to anybody at this point? Don't give up. I agree with you. Yes. <laughs> heal yourself. Don't give up. I think heal yourself is very important. I think there's a lot of damsels in distress out there. And I say that about men as, for, as far as women. I think times are tough for everybody. I think a lot of people have a lot of mental problems at, at this point and, 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 and trouble with their, their mental health. But I think it's important to not give up and, and um, to heal yourself and, and to take care of yourself. You have to, you're responsible for yourself at the end of the day. Um, and, and heal yourself and, and never give up. I, I, I think don't take anything for granted. You know, I, I, I think meditation, prayer, uh, heal your mind, heal your body. I think all these things work in, in tandem. You have to realize that you are a mind, a body, and a soul, and you have to make all that work together. Mm -hmm. It's a lot that of good advice. Yes, very important, into one. very important. Yes, that's right. Very good advice. Once again, we're with American uh, celebrity designer, stylist, TV personality, and uh, multi-talented Philip Block on the Mike Wagner Show. Philip, a very big thank you for your time. You've been absolutely phenomenal. Learned a lot from you. Looking forward to having you on very soon. Just a favor, keep us up to date. Love you back in 2021 beyond. Don't forget to keep in touch. You've been terrific. Once again, tell us about your upcoming projects. What's your website? How do people contact you? Where can people um, just... Check out your stuff. Check out. So you got to go to philipblock.com or Instagram, philipblock on Instagram. I'm, I'm verified. Um, and go to God Stuff by Philip Block on Instagram or God Stuff on Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, oh, my gosh. Right? <laughs> TikTok, uh, Facebook. We've just started those platforms in the last couple of days, actually. That's what I've been working all week. And, you know, so the content's going to be slow on those. I'm doing a slow roll on opening those up. But I... I think you'll see a little Princess Diana, a little Mother Teresa, and a little Miss Piggy on there. You know, I, I, I think you know, Miss you have Piggy, to... I'm certainly looking forward to it. Kermy, I'm on Well, here. it's not that Miss Piggy. It's another one I found, a very stylish Miss Piggy. But I think you have to have a sense of humor in all of this. And so, <laughs> so I, I, I try to mix the fashion and the God stuff and the sense of humor all together. Oh, that's so phenomenal. I'm so looking forward to it. Once again, Philip, a very big thank you for your time. You've been absolutely fantastic. Looking forward to again soon. Do us a favor. Keep us up to date. Love you back on 2021 Beyond. Don't forget to keep in touch. You've been absolutely terrific. Let's do this again. Take care. Thank you, Mike. Picture this photo books where remembering is the key ingredient. Preserving memories, keeping the memories of your loved ones alive, as they reach in and touch your heart. How beautiful your mother looked at her wedding, and even more so at yours. The holidays are coming. What better time to give a gift of remembrance that makes you laugh and cry all at the same time. Whether it's a gift of past holidays, grandma's recipes, long ago moments, or just because, those smiles and tears Will melt your heart. Call Karen Shaw at 646-798-0809. Once again, that's 646-798-0809. Or visit picturethisphotobooks.com. Hey everybody, my name is Forbes Riley and I'm an American actress and a TV host. 
And I was delighted when I got my copy of Missing, which is Extraordinary Relation of Ordinary People based on a real life relationship. It's just, it's well written. It's amazing. You know, it talks about a man who has lost his wife and his daughter, and it's very well done. I'm gonna highly recommend that you go get your copy of Missing. It is a powerful, exciting read. Mr. Mian Moshe Zia. He is the author of Missing. And I wanna give a big shout out and a kiss all the way halfway around the world to my dear friend. Check him out at Mia's website. It's called www.miamotionzea.com. Missing, available on Amazon. Again, I'm Forbes Riley, and I will see you again soon. Bye-bye. The Mike Wagner Show is powered by Sonic Web Studios. If you're looking to start or upgrade your online presence, visit www.sonicwebstudios.com for all of your online needs. Sonic Web Studios specializes in custom web design, app development, social networking, search engine optimization, domain registration, email marketing, online stores, and more. Since our birth, we have been designing and developing immaculate websites and providing web solutions which are a cut above the rest. As a leading web designing enterprise, we have a team of extremely talented web designers who are well-focused and have the experience of working on multiple web developing platforms such as PHP, Magento, Custom WordPress, and more. Sonic Web Studios has been helping businesses of all kinds, whether big, small, established, or startup, impress their audiences with exemplary web solutions. We don't just create beautiful and functional websites. We give you a complete online solution with the main goal of enhancing your yearly revenues. We aim to give your business the online exposure and brand acknowledgement that will help you in achieving increased conversions leading to profitable sales. Call 1-800-303-3960 or visit us online at www.sonicwebstudios.com to get started today. Mention The Mike Wagner Show and get 20% off your project. Sonic Web Studios. Take your image to the next level. Thanks for listening to The Mike Wagner Show, powered by Sonic Web Studios. Visit online at sonicwebstudios.com for all your needs. The Mike Wagner Show can be heard on Spreaker, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Anchor FM, Radio Public, and themikewagnershow.com. Please support our program with your donations at themikewagnershow.com. Join us again next time for another great episode of The Mike Wagner Show.